uh, Matthew 7, 15 through 23, um, where Jesus talks about beware of the false prophets. Um, I've been looking at this for a long time. I try to condense my notes. I don't know um, how well I did <laughs> with the day. I want to try to talk about what is a prophet, uh, what is a false prophet, what fruit is, um, and why we should be concerned. And, uh, you know, so that we are better equipped to beware of the false prophets. And I'm going to read a lot of scripture today. I'm going to more than we normally do. So if we go to Matthew 7, uh, verse 15 through 23, Jesus says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. Not every one who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Okay, so what is uh, what's Jesus saying there? Right off he says, beware of false prophets. So in order to understand what he's talking about, the first thing we got to know is what's a prophet. So according to Vine's Expository Dictionary, the, um, the word, the Greek word prophetes, which is translated in English as prophet, in the New Testament is used 150 times. It describes individuals who were raised up and equipped by God to communicate his plan and purpose to his people and to the world at large. Um, in the Old Testament, it's the Hebrew word, and I'm not sure how sad I forgot to listen to what the, the deal is about. It's, it's N-A-B-I. It's like Nabi or Nabi. And it's used uh, over 300 times in the Old Testament. And it's a noun meaning prophet. So, and it says the true prophet is one commissioned, enlightened, and equipped by God as his spokesman or mouthpiece. So, now we go further. Webster's Dictionary in 1828, the definition of a prophet is one who foretells future events, a predictor or a foreteller. Two, in scripture, a person illuminated, inspired, or instructed by God to announce future events as uh, like Moses, Elijah, David, Isaiah. And then the third definition is an interpreter, one that explains or communicates sentiments. 
Like in Exodus 7, 1, uh, God appointed Aaron as Moses' prophet. It was Moses was worried about it. he couldn't, you know, publicly speak well and nobody was going to understand him. So God said, well, your brother Aaron can, and he's going to interpret me. But he said he can be your prophet. So um, that was the Webster's Dictionary of 1828. The updated Merriam-Webster Dictionary says one who utters divinely inspired revelations such as uh, one of the writers of one of the prophetic books of the Bible, one regarded by a group of followers as the final authoritative revealer of God's will, like Muhammad, uh, the prophet of Allah. And then two is one gifted with more than ordinary spiritual and moral insight. Uh, third, foretells future events and the fourth definition is an effective or leading spokesman for a cause doctrine or group <laughs> I mean you know this is you know the further we get from biblical times you know now we've included the, a prophet you know doesn't have to hear from God it's just a, a leader an effective leader and then five is this is a strange definition to me. Um, five says Christian science, a spiritual seer. And then B is disappearance of material sense before the conscious facts of spiritual truth. Strange. Okay. We're not going to get into that. But just uh, the similarities. We have to know what the word means, you know, we got to know what Jesus is talking about. The definitions of words are extremely important. We have to know, we have to know, uh, or we have to define what we're talking about in order to understand what we're talking about. So that's a prophet. The biblical definition of prophet is the one that's raised up and equipped by God to communicate his plan and purpose to his people and the world at large. So that's what we're going to try to look at. Um, one, somebody is commissioned by God to speak his word so now let's see what Jesus is talking about in verse 15 Jesus says beware of false prophets so if a prophet is commissioned by God then a false prophet is not commissioned by God um, he says to be aware or beware meaning be cautious or be alert um, because they look like sheep on the outside, but on the inside, they're ravenous wolves. So you can't tell um, the prophet by what they look like on the outside. I mean, too bad, because that would make it easy. And it's like, oh, they got, oh, that's a false prophet. That's a wolf. But they don't. They, they just, they look like sheep. They look like one of us. They're, you can't tell them apart by the way they look. So let's go to, as it, it says on the outside they're like sheep, but on the inside they're ravenous wolves. So let's turn to Ezekiel chapter 22. And uh, this is in a reference to the ravenous wolves. Okay. 
So Ezekiel chapter 22, um, I'm going to start in verse 20, well I wrote down 27, but I'm going to start in 26. And this is, if you, if you read this chapter, even the whole book of Ezekiel, but uh, he's talking about, he's in reference to the Lord is speaking through Ezekiel, talking to the house of Israel. And uh, he's saying, her priests have done violence to my law and have profaned my holy things. They have made no distinction between the holy and the common. Neither have they taught the difference between the unclean and the clean. And they have disregarded my Sabbaths, so that I am profaned among them. And then in verse 27, it says, Her princes in the midst are like wolves tearing the prey, shedding blood, destroying lives to get dishonest gain. And her prophets have smeared whitewash for them, seeing false visions and divining lies for them, saying, Thus says the Lord God, when the Lord has not spoken. The people of the land have practiced extortion and committed robbery. They have oppressed the poor and needy and have exhorted from the sojourner without justice. And I sought for a man among them who should build up the wall and stand in the breach before me for the land that I should not destroy it, but I found none. Therefore, I have poured out my indignation upon them. I have consumed them with the fire of my wrath. I have returned their way upon their heads, declares the Lord God. So why is it, why should we be concerned? (laughs) What's the difference between a prophet and a false prophet? Because that verse 31, the Lord says, he's poured out his indignation upon them. He's consumed them with the fire of, of God's wrath. I mean, I don't want to be that. I don't want to be a false prophet. I don't want to have God's wrath poured out on me. It is important. It does concern us. So, next, Jesus says, you will recognize them by their fruits. I was say, wait, hang on. Before I get to that one. I want to read this uh, quote from William Barclay. He said, the basic fault of a false prophet is self-interest. Not in God's interest, not in your interest, not in our interest, but in their interest, my interest. I, I, me, me, this is what we're going to do, my. So that's, that's the, the, at the root of it, is self-interest. As it can be expressed by a desire for gain or for an easy life. <laughs> live your best life now. I'm sorry, I don't want my best life now. I mean, if I live my best life now, what about my life in heaven? Should that be my best life? So not now, but later. <laughs> a desire for prestige or the desire to advance one own, one's own ideas and not God's ideas. And, you know, a false prophet is about deception. And some of them have gone so far that I don't even think they realize. Uh, I think they are deceived themselves. You know, when you say something over and over again, you know, when you say a lie over and over again, it can become the truth to you. And you believe it. So who's deceived? And then who's deceiving who? And then... Uh, I said we're going to be going to a lot of verses. Second uh, Peter, uh, chapter two. 
or test our Bible skills. Um, let's see, Second Peter chapter two, uh, verse. Uh oh. Oh yeah, two verse one. Uh, Peter says, "But false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies." even denying the master who bought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction. And it says many will follow their sensuality, and because of them, the way of the truth will be blasphemed. So, the false teachers going to uh, appeal to our senses, you know, make us feel good. You know, like, I think sometimes uh, we get easily tricked or deceived because, you know, we look at the gospel because the gospel means good news. You know, so we have to, to think every time we talk or we speak because we're a Christian or whatever, we have to give people, you know, good news. Sometimes news isn't always good. You know, the good news is that Jesus died for our sins and that he rose again, you know, and that covers us, that what that's the good news that we're not he doesn't ever say we're going to have our best life now but later when we you know get out of these bodies (laughs) and we go on to live with him now in jesus's day the pharisees were wolves but to the untrained eye pharisees seemed like the epitome of a godly teacher um but some pharisees were godly so it's not all pharisees were you know, we're bad, but, um, you know, look at how he talked to the Pharisees, what he told them, how they acted. So how do we, let's see, look back. uh, So you will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? And I I saw a, a deal that had pictures and I, I couldn't find them. I looked uh, for some pictures. I was going to send Paul so he could put them up there. But sometimes uh, there's fruit or there's thorn bushes that grow a fruit that kind of looks like grapes. You know, they're real close looking, but they don't taste like grapes. You know, on the inside, they're not grapes. And um, or it says figs from thistles. And if, if you've ever seen a milk thistle, it's shaped like a fig, but it's all thorny and spiky looking, you know, so it's not, but you can eat it, but it's not a, a fig. So, I mean, what's Jesus saying that, you know, some things it can be close and no false teacher is going to get up and say, hey, don't worry about what I'm saying right now because I'm a false teacher. <laughs> and a lot of what they say is going to be true. And that's why we have to use our discernment. That's why we have to be in the word. So verse 17, Jesus says, So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. So we judge the tree by what it produces. So how do we tell the difference between true and false? We Judge the tree by the fruit. Because Jesus just said, a healthy tree bears good fruit, 
and a diseased tree bears bad fruit. A and then 18 says, a healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. And there's, um, as we're talking about fruit, you know, what is fruit? Right now, Jesus is talking about teachers and leaders, you know, prophets, people that are, are over. Now, we, we can look at Galatians 5, 22. Um, all right, five, Galatians 5, 22 and 23. And that gives us the fruit of the Spirit, which I'm going to look it up. I should know that, but just so I don't miss one. Um, <laughs> well, right. God's word is what we're going to use, not Rex's word. <laughs> but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And then it goes on, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. So let us not become conceited. We can't get prideful about how good we're doing <laughs> in Jesus. I mean, there's no, no, we can't. So fruit, fruit of the Spirit, because that's what we're talking about. Good fruit, bad fruit. The fruit is going to be, it's going to have love, joy, peace. It's going to be patient, it's kind, good. It's faithful, gentle, and has self-control. So as we take that, we look at a prophet, so somebody that's a leader, somebody that's a ministry. How do we look at that? How do we judge that? What is the spiritual impact of their ministry? You know, what's it producing? What's it producing spiritually? Does their teaching lead people away from their sin and toward obedience to God's word? Um, or are they just telling everybody it's just going to be okay? You know, everything's fine. Do they cause men and women to act more godly? Um, we should pay attention to their manner of living. You know, Character matters. Character matters to God. So are they showing righteousness, humility, and faithfulness in the way they live? Um, we got to look at the content of what they're teaching. Is it true fruit from the word, from God's word? Uh, or is it man-centered? It's like the, the best life now stuff. You know, that's what we want to hear, of course. I mean, that's awesome. That's, uh, that's all you know, prosper. Let me, uh, let me, let me put some money in so I can get some money, you know, because that's what I want. You know, I want worldly riches and glory. So is it true fruit from the word of God? Is it appealing to your ears? You know, because it, it says that people are going to look for their ears to be tickled because what we want to hear is every message here. It's like, oh man, that's, that's what I, like, or is 
a lot of the time it's like, ouch, you know, I mean, because the word of God is a sword, you know, it, it rightly divides. So it, it's not always, doesn't always feel good. Um, and what's the effect of their teaching? Are people growing in Jesus or are they just being entertained and eventually falling away? Now, some people fall away. Some do this. You know, it doesn't mean it's their fault. It's, a, you know, based on any one individual, but it's an overall. Um, does it appeal to the lust of the flesh? Does it encourage a love for this world and leave people spiritually malnourished? Um, if the so what, what he look back here what he says a healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit so Jesus is saying if the fruit is bad the tree is bad there's no partial <laughs> bad sometimes a tree produces good fruit sometimes it don't that's not what Jesus is saying um, so I've heard people say, hey, you can just take the good of what they're saying and leave the rest. That's, Jesus directly says, no, no, you can't do that. Um, you can't glean the good and leave the bad. There's no. It's either good or it's bad. And it's either from God or it's not. Um, and I'll make this note because... It's important that we um, that we understand too that you know people get it wrong. And just because you get something wrong doesn't make you a false prophet or a false teacher. But it will and probably does if you don't take the correction. You know, like anything I say up here, anyone is welcome to challenge. You know, I, mean, I don't. You should challenge it because if you do challenge it, that means you're. You're, you're looking it up or you're, you're, you are questioning. And it's good to have questions. It's always good to have questions. Don't take my word for it. You know, look it up for yourself. You have to. This is what Jesus is saying. Now, how can you, if you don't read the word or get into the word or, or look these things up for yourself, how are you ever going to tell? That means you're always going to be listening to someone else and their opinion on what you should do and how you should think and what you should believe in. And that's, no, you got to know in your heart what you believe. Um, okay, let's see. So every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. So how do we recognize a false prophet? By their fruit. Good tree produces good fruit. Bad tree produces bad fruit. So if it's bad fruit, bad tree. If it's good fruit, it's good tree. All right, now let's go to uh, Jeremiah chapter 23. It's a long chapter, but I think it's, uh, it's very impactful. Um, that... You know, Jeremiah was a prophet from God, inspired by God. The exact definition that we read before is Jeremiah. He was commissioned by God. And it, it, he had a tough job. There was a lot of false prophets at this time telling people, 
crazy stuff. And so he had to stand up. God called him. And, you know, how much courage it took for him to go, yeah, I am hearing from God. He's speaking against these false prophets. I am hearing from God. So let's start in chapter 1. He says, Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, declares the Lord. Therefore, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, concerning the shepherds who care for my people. You have scattered my flock, and I have driven them away, and you have not attended to them. Behold, I will attend to you for your evil deeds, declares the Lord. Then I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the countries where I have driven them, and I will bring them back to their fold, and they shall be fruitful and multiply. I will set shepherds over them who will care for them, and they shall fear no more, nor be dismayed, neither shall any be missing, declares the Lord. And real quick, um, another thing too, I think we've talked about it before, I think Paul has uh, shepherds, you know, we're, we're not shepherds and you're the sheep. We're all sheep. Uh, the pastor is the under-shepherd. Jesus is the shepherd. He says, I am the good shepherd. So we're not, we don't take over for Jesus or somebody does come up and say, hey, they say, I'm the shepherd, you're my sheep. Be aware, beware. <laughs> we're under-shepherds. Jesus is the shepherd. He says, behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, which is Jesus, and he shall reign as king and deal wisely and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will dwell securely. And this is the name by which he will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. Therefore, behold, the days are coming. I'm going to read some of this kind of quickly. Declares the Lord when they shall no longer say, as the Lord lives, who brought up the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt. But as the Lord lives, who brought up the brought up and led the offspring of the house of Israel out of the north country and out of the countries where he had driven them, then they shall dwell in their land. Concerning the prophets. And this says concerning the prophets, the lying prophets, the false prophets. It says, my heart is broken within me, all my bones shake. I'm like a drunken man, like a man overcome by wine because of the Lord and because of his holy words. For the land is full of adulterers. Because of the curse, the land mourns and the pastures of the wilderness are dried up. Their course is evil and their might is not right. Both prophet and priest are ungodly. Even in my house I have found their evil, declares the Lord. Therefore their way shall be to them like slippery paths in the darkness into which they shall be driven and fall. For I will bring disaster upon them in the year of their punishment, declares the Lord. If the pro- in the prophets of Samaria I saw an unsavory thing. They prophesied by Baal and led my people Israel astray. But the prophets of Jerusalem I have seen a horrible thing. They commit adultery and walk in lies. They strengthen the hands of evildoers so that no one turns from evil. All of them have become like Sodom to me and its inhabitants like Gomorrah. Therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts concerning the prophets, Behold, I will feed them with bitter food and give them poisoned water to drink. For from the prophets of Jerusalem, ungodliness has gone out into the land. So some of the things that we talked about already about looking, you know, at the ministry and looking what they produce, you know, is what, what God was saying here too. He's not, the prophets of Samaria, they prophesied by Baal. But he said he's talking about the prophets in Jerusalem. Thus says the Lord of hosts, do not listen to the words of the prophets who prophesy to you, filling you with vain hopes. 
They speak visions of their own minds, not from the mouth of the Lord. They say continually to those who despise the word of the Lord, it shall be well with you. And to everyone who stubbornly follows his own heart, they say no disaster shall come upon you. So when you hear people say, follow your heart, oh my gosh, no. (laughs) Follow God. Follow the Lord, what the Lord says. Our hearts are, are corrupt. For who among them has stood in the counsel of the Lord to see and hear his word? Or who has paid attention to his word and listened? Behold the storm of the Lord. Wrath has gone forth, a whirling tempest. It will burst upon the head of the wicked. The anger of the Lord will not turn back until he has executed and accomplished the intents of his heart. In the latter days you will understand it clearly. I did not send the prophets, yet they ran. I did not speak to them, yet they prophesied. But if they had stood in my counsel, then they would have proclaimed my words to my people, and they would have turned them from their evil way and from the evil of their deeds. So look at that verse 21 real quick. I did not send the prophets, yet they ran. They were crazy eager to go out and spread what they wanted, what their ideas, their heart, you know, and convincingly said it. Okay, 23. Am I not... A God, am I a God at hand, declares the Lord, and not a God far away? Can a man hide himself in secret places so that I cannot see him, declares the Lord? Do I not feel heaven and earth, declares the Lord? Have I heard what the prophets have said who prophesied lies in my name? Saying, I have dreamed, I have dreamed. How long shall there be lies in the heart of the prophets who prophesied lies and who prophesy the deceit of their own heart? Who think to make my people forget my name? By their dreams that they tell one another, even as their fathers forgot my name for Baal. Let the prophet who has a dream tell the dream, but let him who has my word speak my word faithfully. What has straw in common with wheat, declares the Lord. Is not my word like fire, declares the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces. Therefore, behold, I am against the prophets, declares the Lord, who steal my words from one another. Behold, I am against the prophet, declares the Lord, who use their tongues and declare, declares the Lord. <laughs> so this is, uh, let's go back to what the sermon that Paul spoke about, taking the Lord's name in vain. If you go around saying all the time, this is what the Lord's saying, declares the Lord. The Lord said this, the Lord said that. Did he? Behold, I am against those who prophesy lying dreams, declares the Lord, and tell them and lead my people astray by their lies and their recklessness when I did not send them or charge them. So they do not profit this people at all, at all, declares the Lord. When one of his people or a prophet or a priest asks you, what is the burden of the Lord? You shall say to them, you are the burden, and I will cast you off, declares the Lord. <laughs> and as for the prophet priest or one of the people who says the burden of the Lord I will punish that man and his household thus shall you say everyone to his neighbor and everyone to his brother what has the Lord answered or what has the Lord spoken but the burden of the Lord you shall mention no more for the burden is every man's own word and you pervert the words of the living God the Lord of hosts our God Thus you shall say to the prophet, What has the Lord answered you, and what has the Lord spoken? But if you say the burden of the Lord, thus says the Lord, because you have said these words, the burden of the Lord, 
when I sent to you, saying, You shall not say the burden of the Lord. Therefore, behold, I will surely lift you up and cast you away from my presence, you and the city that I gave to you and your fathers. And I will bring upon you everlasting reproach and perpetual shame, which shall not be forgotten. So, wow. I mean, that's crazy. I read that. I've been reading it every day for like the last 10 days. Wow, that's a lot of that going on now. So why is it important? Why should we be concerned? Go back and read this. Jeremiah chapter 23, Ezekiel chapter 22. Um, Don't say God said when God didn't say. I mean, he says at the end of this chapter, just like the end of Ezekiel, he's going to bring everlasting reproach and perpetual shame, which shall not be forgotten. So, back to Matthew chapter 7. Let's see. All right. Verse 21. Jesus says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. So, Jesus is still talking about false prophets. We're still in the same category. Uh, so not the one that says Lord Lord will enter the kingdom but the one who does the will of my father so how do we know if we're doing the will of God it's God's word it tells us God, you know, the New Testament the Old Testament old God's old will God's new will and uh on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and, did, and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then, I will, then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. So they say right here, didn't we do um, did we not prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works? So they're talking about their works. And Jesus didn't say, he, did, he didn't refute what they said. You know, he, he didn't go, no, you didn't. Which, another thing, it would be easier for us to spot false prophets if he would have said, no, you didn't do that. So Jesus didn't say they didn't do that. Because false prophets, they, they have power to perform signs and wonders. But what Jesus said is that signs and wonders are the question that we have to ask is, are signs and wonders evidence that they are speaking from God? If people do signs and wonders, is that the facts that we're looking for? Is that the evidence that we're, what we need as Christians, as sheep, to decide whether or not that person is true are false and Jesus answers that right here because they just said they did these things and Jesus says well I will declare to them I never knew you depart from me you workers of lawlessness so are signs and wonders evidence that they are speaking for God no they're not signs and wonders are not fruit because the reason or the reason for that is that Satan can counterfeit signs and wonders 
A false teacher and prophet won't be able to produce godliness in those that follow their teaching. And I wrote this quote, and I forgot to write the name of the person that has it. I have it in my other notes. Um, but it says, the heart of a false prophecy was that it always held our false hope. So what is our, our hope should be in, in what? In Jesus, right? In Jesus Christ. So a false hope is any other hope that's not in Jesus. And the Pharisees were not godly, loving, charitable, forgiving, compassionate men. So <laughs> in their teaching, either prophet, true prophet, false prophet, in their teaching, is it producing godliness, loving, so producing fruit in your life? Is it, are the people charitable? Are they greedy? I mean, what, are they forgiving or do they, they are not forgive? Are they always pushing people away or keeping people out, speaking ill of others all the time? Because the fruit of the Spirit is, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, self-control. Man, that's, that's what we got to look for. Um, there's also, <laughs> there's a, a, I can't, I don't know how to pronounce this word. I, I tried to look it up, but I couldn't. And the, the translation from the Greek to the English is spelled D-I-D-A-C-H-E. And I don't really know how to say it. The didash or the, the didash or didaki. But uh, it translated, it means the teaching of the apostles. And no, it is not canon. I mean, they didn't include it in, you know, in the Bible at the Council of Nicene. But uh, scholars have uh, they've proven that it uh, was written at the, you know, end of the first century. So they think the apostles wrote it, but it, they didn't consider it uh, canon. So this is not um, in the Bible, but. They uh, are talking about how do you spot a false prophet? I'm gonna read this little. You know, it's pretty cool because uh, this was it was it's been proven it's written you know in the first century, so it's the same time that the the New Testament was going out. You know, the New Testament or was being written, and the apostles were teaching. You know, so it says, "Whoever therefore therefore shall come and teach you all the things that they mentioned." This is the next excerpt from it, so. They were talking about the, the teaching the word, um, and you receive them. But if the teacher himself turns and teach you, teaches you another doctrine with a view to subvert you, hearken not to him. But if you come to add to your righteousness and the knowledge of the Lord, receive him as the Lord. But concerning the apostles and prophets, thus do ye according to the doctrine of the gospel. Let every apostle who cometh unto you be received as the Lord. He will remain one day, if it necessary, a second. But if he remains three days, he is a false prophet. <laughs> I still figured out what, but it's just, you know, just take this for, you know, what it is. And let the apostle when departing take nothing but bread until he arrive at his resting place. And if he asks for money, he is a false prophet. And you shall not attempt or dispute with any prophet who speaketh in the spirit. For every sin shall be forgiven, but this sin shall not be forgiven. And then, you know, in the word we know that the only sin that's not forgiven is to blaspheme the Holy Spirit. 
So every prophet who ordereth the spirit in the spirit that a table shall be laid shall not eat of it himself. But if he do otherwise, he is a false prophet. And every prophet who teacheth the truth, if he do not what he teacheth, is a false prophet. And every prophet who is approved and true and ministering in the visible ministry of the church, but who teacheth not others to do the things that he doth himself, shall not be judged of you, for with God lieth his judgment. For in this manner also did the ancient prophets. But whoever shall say in the spirit, give me money, or things of that kind, listen not to him. But if he tell you concerning others that are in need, that you should give unto them, let no one judge him. So if you look, kind of, it goes with scripture. If it's concerning others, but if it's uh, about self-interest, then, then no, they're probably false teacher. So, more questions to consider. So if the purpose of a prophet or of the prophet was to reveal God's truth, then this is for us to consider today. And this is just questions that you should consider. So if the purpose of the prophet was to reveal God's truth, why would we need prophets if we have the completed revelation of God in the Bible? It's just a question. If prophets were the foundation of the early church, are we still laying a foundation today? Does God give someone a message to deliver to someone else? I, mean, I believe he does. Does God reveal truth or give understanding to someone in a supernatural way and enable that person to deliver that message to others? I think he does. Is that the biblical gift of prophecy? Let's look at Hebrews chapter 1. Okay, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 through 2. Long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. So, God speaks to us now through Jesus and Jesus spoke to us when he walked the earth. He spoke to them when they wrote the word. And he speaks to us now. And he uses his word. So, answering those, you know, those questions. This is something that you all, everybody needs to, to look this up. To search this out. To seek it. But either way, whenever a person claims to be speaking for God, which, when somebody says they're speaking for God, that's a prophecy. It must line up with the written word of God. It would have to be 100% in complete agreement with what God has already said. Because 
God's not going to tell me or you or anybody something that contradicts what his word already says. It's got to line up with the word all the way. Like during the first century, while the New Testament was being written, if, if you go to, I think it's in Ephesians. I thought I wrote that down. It's in Ephesians where it says he gave some apostles, some prophets you know, for the foundation, right? So as the foundation was being built for the church, he spoke through prophets because that was, he didn't have the written word. The whole canon of scripture was not completed. So of course they had to go around. That doesn't mean there's not prophets today, but is it revelation? Then in First John 4, 1, it says, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits. Now, how do you test them? How do you test the spirits and what do you use? What, what is your guide? What is your measure by? It's the written word. And then in First Thessalonians uh, chapter 5, verse 20 through 21, it says, do not despise prophecy. So, but you got to test it. If you're getting a prophecy or somebody has a word and they give it to you and they don't want you to test it, no, stop. Easy sign. But you, you have to. We must test whether or not it's from God. Some of the guidelines in 1 Corinthians says, let two or three prophets speak, let the others judge. So, another rule. If prophets speak, Others have to judge. So be aware or beware of false prophets. Um, I think uh, that's about all I got. Like I said, though, the important thing the most important thing is scripture is used to teach it's for instruction in righteousness it says it's profitable for instruction in righteousness for correction for reproof so that every good man or every man will be ready for good works to have good works so it has to go with scripture scripture is important we don't want to <laughs> have God's wrath on us. You know, it doesn't mean that you give a false prophecy or you teach falsely or you lead people falsely that it, you know, God's wrath and judgment happens instantly right now because then where would God's grace be? Where would you be leaving that? But just a simple, easy rule or the first thing you should check is does it lead you closer to Jesus? In a, in a stronger relationship with Jesus or does it lead you farther away away from Jesus okay let's pray Father we thank you Lord, we thank you for for your word Lord we thank you that you gave us a guide you, you gave us something that we could test 
Lord, we just pray for the wisdom, Lord, that um, we could discern properly what is true and what is false. God, I just pray for the for the strength to and the, and just the uh, the will, Lord, to study Your Word, to become more familiar with who You are, Lord, so that we can recognize what is false. God, I just pray for protection and for guidance. In Jesus' name, amen.